Welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast, you guys. It is such a pleasure to bring you my next guest, Holly Baxter. We connected on the phone, gosh, it was probably about a month before we recorded this podcast and simply like fell in love with her head over heels. She is one of the most lovable, amazing, but powerful women that I have come across. And I just know that we're going to be, we were fast friends and there's a long future ahead for us. She is, she's got all the degrees in fitness, nutrition. She's been an extremely successful fitness competitor. So she's one of the most successful women in that space um, this day and age. And she also has a crazy, you know, journey like so many of us with dealing with disordered eating and then, you know, overcoming that and turning that into such a passion to help other women overcome the same. And we dig into things like body image and self-love and, and how she recovered from all of that. And she's going to share with you guys a lot of mindset shifts and a lot of processes that she went through to heal herself in that journey. And I hope it helps you. I know it's going to help you because I know there's so many of you guys out there that deal with that today. And you are just going to, you're going to, no pun intended, eat up this episode. It's going to be amazing. So let's dig in with the one and only Holly Baxter. Well, then let's just go ahead and dig in. I am so excited and so honored to have you on today. Um, You and I had a chance to chat, gosh, maybe a few weeks back and kind of just fell in love with each other. Like (laughs) so many similarities in just what we believe and what we stand for and what we've walked through and what we're Mm -hmm. trying to do in the world. So I want you to share just starting out like, Who is Holly Baxter? What are you doing in the world? How did you come to this place? Like, what's the story? What's the backstory? I want to know it all. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Honestly, it's so interesting. That's that's a really good question. And I think um, who is Holly has been the question that I have been searching for Mm. or had been searching for for the last 15 years of my life. Yeah. Um, I think so many of us kind of get to the point where, you know, you're in your thirties, like I'm 33 years old. And I just felt like I should have a better idea of who I am, what I'm about, like, what is my purpose? Yes. And, uh, you know, in order to really discover what that was, I have had to do some serious soul searching. So, um, to kind of, take you back a little bit, I guess, um, you know, my background has always been in fitness and sport and health. Um, you know, I grew up super active. My mom put us in just about every sport and, you know, after school activity that we could possibly do. And, you know, I think I've just grown up, um, you know, as somebody that is very competitive and, you know, is, uh, not focused on, but was encouraged to strive to be the best. Yes. And I think, you know, that's kind of led me through, um, you know, a career in uh, academics. So right now, um, I guess my primary role I would describe is a nutrition science influencer. Wow. Um, I, so love I, that. That. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I always that. love science backed, right? Like evidence based. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it is really tough at the moment to be in this world where social media is so prominent. Um, There are so many different platforms and it really is exposing a lot of people and a lot of good people for that Mm -hmm. fact. 
Um, but, you know, there's also uh, this huge, um, you know, group of individuals that are getting a lot of attention and they're not uh, evidence-based. Right. And, you know, for me, I'm really somebody that has values that lie with honesty and integrity and, you know, sharing truthful information yes. and um, to kind of compete with, you know, the, the sexy, you know, yeah. uh, stuff that's out there and the things that sell, it's, yes. it's tough to kind of stick yeah. to your guns and stay, you know, very, you know, straight down the line science. So, yes. um, I, I currently coach, uh, we have a coaching, a nutrition coaching platform, um, an app called carbon diet coach. We have a, an amazing team of incredible uh, nutrition and training experts, um, and then we're all kind of sprinkled throughout the the health and uh, fitness industry with supplements and books and all that kind of stuff. So yes, it, I love that. It's, it's always really hard to describe exactly what I do because I, I'm in a lot of different pockets. But yeah. I guess the the driving or the underlying um, goal for everything that I I do is to really make sure that it is uh, evidence based mm-hmm. and that you know it is building like healthier bodies and healthier yes. minds more yes. recently because that is so important. And it was a part of my journey that I completely, completely didn't even touch on. And it is one of the major reasons why I think, um, you know, I suffered for such a long yes. time as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Gosh, I can relate to that. I can relate to all of it. Like the perfectionism, <sighs> the striving, the, yes. you know, kind of striving to be good at everything growing up. And, and yes. that's a really fun, I always say like, it's really fun until it becomes kind of your identity at some point. And then there's a lot of pressure there, even though our parents are so amazing and just their encouragement. Mm-hmm. It never, for me, it never came from a negative place. It was such a blessing, but mm-hmm. that can have some counter effects for sure. Yeah. So you didn't, obviously you, you're, you didn't grow up in the U S did you? <laughs> no, I did not. No. So hence the accent. I'm actually, I grew up in Tasmania. So I don't know if you guys know that little uh, Tas devil character. Yes, of course. Around the <laughs> so yeah, I grew up in Tasmania, uh, which is, a, a, I guess, one of the states of Australia. It's at the very bottom. It's separate. You got to fly over the water to get there. Wow. Tiny. So um, yeah, I moved over to, I guess we'll call it mainland Australia to do all of my undergraduate. So I did my food science nutrition uh, um, undergraduate there, and then I did my master's there. Uh, and then I met my husband who... Um, it makes perfect sense why I married uh, an American man based on just the vision that I had when I was a kid. Yeah. So yeah, now, now I am in Florida. I've been here for about five years now. Wow. I love that so much. And I love that you just touched on vision, you know, that those things that we set out for as children, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we get away from that as adults and society's influence and what we should be doing and all of that in that quest for what is my purpose? What am I doing? What am I here for? Yeah. And I love love that you stuck to that childhood vision of like where you wanted to go in the world and what you wanted to do. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, the personal journey. You said there were some struggles along the way and what that looked like and and how you kind of overcame that. Yeah. So I think one of the things that um, I always refer back to, and again, like you said, your parents are there encouraging you. You know, my mom was 
um, you know, trying to put us in everything. I think she wanted to give us, like my sister and I, the experience that she never got. You know, her mm. mom was a single mom. You know, she worked full time. She didn't have somebody there to uh, be there and support her and take her to, you know, yeah. the after school stuff. So, you know, she was a stay at home mom and she she wanted the best for us. And I think that was really great. But, you know, like you said, it kind of almost became, you know, part of your identity. And I think when you're not getting the, um, you know, the other part of that equation, which is the unconditional love, that yes. unconditional support, that, you know, that um, the feeling that you get from somebody who cares and supports you regardless of how you perform. Yes. That really, and it little did I know at the time, but that was really um, setting me up for this, really massive struggle in my adult life, yeah, not yeah. feeling like I was good enough or I was worthy or, you know, that I was a valuable, I was valuable as a human. Yes. Um, you know, it was friends of mine I've talked to about this. They're like, oh my God, like you, you didn't realize that you had value as a person. And I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> like, you know, everything was based on your performance, like how well yeah. you did in sport. Did you, did you win the science talent search? Yeah. Did you, um, you know, did you, did you come first in whatever it was? So I've kind of been searching and chasing this, you know, this feeling of, um, I guess, worthiness through yes. my career, through my, you know, my sport and it, you know, that that's not ever going to be enough. There is no right. one thing that can fill that hole. It has to come from within Absolutely. and you have to believe that. So, yeah, I know like when I was a kid, I, I something just didn't feel right. It was like, there must be more to life. Like, yeah. What, what's out there? So it was like the yeah. first step was moving away from my family, um, you know, and exploring the world. And everyone at the time was like, you know, that's such a risky thing. Mm -hmm. You know, what happens if you fail? Like, you know, you're on your own. And, you know, it was, it was hard to make those decisions. And I'm sure there's people listening that can, can relate to this story in some way or another. Yeah. But, you know, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I'm okay with failure. Like, yes. I think oh. I know that there's going to be mistakes along the way. And I know yeah. I'm not going to get this right, but I'm never going to know if I don't try. So right. yeah. I love that spirit. I mean, yeah. that is something that I've always had. It's kind of like, well, you know, what's the, I have always said, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, yeah, you, can, you say no, <laughs> yeah, you can always go back. Yes. And I want to go back really quickly. Cause I feel like there's probably so many mothers that listen to this podcast too. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know exactly what your, you know, mother situation was, but like, mm -hmm. I know for me, Mm -hmm. There was unconditional love, mm -hmm. but it wasn't necessarily like, we don't like, I don't necessarily communicate that to my kids. We de by default mm -hmm. praise them for all their accomplishments and mm -hmm. society praises them. And, and as a child, mm -hmm. you can't decipher from the attention and the praise mm -hmm. and the unconditional love that may actually be there, but mm -hmm. that's unconditional love as a 14 year old, isn't like exciting, you know, it's like <laughs> the glory and the fame and the, you know, being the best at everything is what's exciting. And so we, we just end up, you know, kind of from this maturity standpoint or immaturity standpoint, like mm -hmm. defaulting to that identity and, and chasing really that high, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And then I know for me, it's always been like, I did a lot of work with Tony Robbins and he always says that we have a primary question mm -hmm. and 
you know, mine's always been, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And so it's always like in the doing, I'm searching to fill that, that hole in my soul. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, it's never going to be found through the accomplishments, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for somebody that does really like to be very intentional about, you know, the things that I spend my time on or, it's become more important to me. I think the other downside of having that uh, perfectionist mindset and that high achiever mindset is that the very act or the doing of um, self-development and working Mm -hmm. through these, um, you know, things that need to be improved and that things that can or should be better. Sometimes you can get so caught up on that, that you forget to stop and, you know, have appreciation and gratitude for what you still have. Um, So again, it's like this perpetuating cycle of what can be negativity after negativity, even though your intention is so good. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to take it back to what you said about, you know, parents and things and, um, you know, you, you give praise for, you know, the accomplishments. I think that, you know, that's so wonderful. You know, there are people out there that, you know, with, there may be some kind of um, dysfunctional relationship where, you know, the, the mom or the, the father is jealous of their children yeah. or they're living, you know, through their child, through, through some insecurities of their own. Yes. But it's the delivery of that message. Yes. If you can have the best intentions, but how you deliver that, you know, perception is reality. I always yeah. come back to that. So, you know, someone is not feeling a certain way. Um, I think it's so important to understand, like, how can I deliver my message in a way that feels um, better for this person? And, you know, I've spoken to my mom um, about some of the things that I struggled with as a kid. And she's like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. And, you know, most kids don't know how to communicate that well. Like you're looking to your mentors and your parents to learn how to communicate. So, you know, there's definitely no um, negativity or uh, hate between, you know, my mom and I, God, I love her, but um, (laughs) it's just so important um, to also give praise and, you know, um, I guess that love for the person underneath, not necessarily their accomplishments and, you know, all the good things that they're achieving, you know, getting recognition for. I think it's good to recognize the person outside of all of that as well. Yes, Uh, absolutely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. And I have to remind myself because even with my kids, they're Mm -hmm. super successful in lots of things and, and it's so exciting and we're at all the games and all the performances, (laughs) but I always have to remember like to tell them like, but what is the most important thing? You know, it's character, it's kindness. It's Mm -hmm. that you're a good person. And Mm -hmm that is the things I love most about them out, you know, mm. not the accomplishments and yeah, and, yeah no, just, or have a, have an equal, um, I guess, amount of effort that goes into those conversations too. Yes. Cause it is, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the, the yeah. fun, exciting stuff. Like you said, like the winning the games on the weekend, you know, I've yeah. got kids and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I just have to stop and slow down sometimes and just you know, you have those little moments with your, your daughter and say whatever you yes. need to say. And it's, it's beautiful. So it is, those yeah. are the moments that count, right? Yep. Like those are truly the precious moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into kind of graduating from college, getting your master's degree, what were you doing in that kind of in your twenties and, and where did, what was the struggle that came up for you and, and what did that look like? Yeah, so I think um, it was actually just a little bit before I went away to my undergrad, um, I was competing at a a high level for athletics. I was a sprinter. I did 100 meters, 200 meters, 
And um, my coach at the time um, was the uh, former uh, 400 meter uh, Olympic uh, medalist, Kathy Freeman. So she's an Australian um, track athlete. And my coach at the time was um, also her coach. Um, we lived in different states, but we had the same training. Uh, sorry, we had the same um, training programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and our coach was, you know, pretty, you know, communicative between all of us. And I just remember one day, you know, I was already going through a lot of stuff as a, a young girl, um, really struggling to feel like I fit in back then. Yes. Um, and just getting a lot of mixed messages um, from people that I really respected. And it felt very conflicting. Like, hey, here's here are these people that are meant to really love me and, mm-hmm. you know, respect me. And they're like the, the people that I admire, yet I'm getting such nastiness. And um, I guess, again, it's all about the delivery of those messages. And it was very much about, you know, my body image and how I appeared to other people and what I should oh. look like and who I, you know, shouldn't look like, you know, it was oh. never ever any emphasis on just be who you want to be because you are enough. Yes. And then this particular coach, uh, he kind of was comparing me to, to Kathy. And he was kind of like, you know, um, Kathy looks like this, you know, she's very lean, you know, she's very muscular. We've got to get the fat off Holly. Like we've got to trim you down, slowing you down. You know, we've, we've got to get you ready. Um, so you can perform better. So I'm not, I would never like say, Hey, you know, this is someone that I despise or I don't like, but again, that language is so important for young women. And, you know, that that message could have been converted in a, or conveyed in a completely different way. Had there just been a moment's pause to how he framed it. So that was the, I guess the tipping point for me, I was struggling with mental health. I'd been suicidal. I'd attempted suicide at this point as a young girl and it just shot me down this negative pathway of uh, an eating disorder. So yeah, I was anorexic uh, for probably about six to eight months of my first, you know, year in uh, college, which is, um, I guess, high school for you guys over here, grade 11, I'll call it grade 11, 12. (laughs) Um, And um, then that kind of developed into um, binge eating disorder and bulimia purging. Um, and you know, if I reflect on that now as a 33 year old, that came from trauma. It came from, um, you know, not being accepted, not being appreciated, not being cared for and just feeling like my life, like there was nothing within my control. Everything was being done and said and dictated to me. And I had no other option, but to, Hey, I want to have some say in my life. This is the one thing I can control. Right. And, um, yeah, it just, that was something that then carried on into my twenties and I really only, um, made the intentional effort to get professional help in my late twenties. And, um, I think it was just 15 years of struggling with that, um, and the negativity and how, just how unhappy I was through all those years, despite having all these achievements and success. And, you know, like I said before, searching for what is my purpose? Like nothing's fulfilling me. There's no, there's nothing's filling that void. Um, and you know, I, I kind of realized, uh, and it was only last year, um, we connected with, um, this woman who actually is now, uh, I guess our director of operations and oh, team wow. manager in our company, uh, in one of our companies. And, um, she was going through a very, like a spiritual journey. And I growing up without any religion, I was like, 
can you please like I know this is really personal but can you share a little bit of what you're going through um it sounds similar to you know my story of you know not feeling like you had purpose yeah um, or were you were worthy and yeah she was I guess experimenting or going through this phase of connecting with God and I knew nothing about God I knew nothing about religion I grew up without any influence of religion at all um my mom and my dad certainly never went to church or had anything like that so to start reading um and I think one of the first books that like took me to tears or brought me to tears was um the search for significance the devotional um and I really felt like I was searching for my significance and I read the probably the first seven or eight chapters of that book and I just I start I was lying in bed with my husband and I just started crying and I'm like wow. oh my god like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about yeah, it and I'm was, getting goosebumps too <laughs> oh I just remember like reading the words and I was like this is me this is what's been yeah. happening in my life and I just needed to open my eyes and realize that I am enough yes and that, like it was like that defining moment It was like, wow, all these things that I've been doing in my life and ticking off my list and qualifications and successes, like that's never going to be the thing that, you know, helps you to happiness. It's got to be you. And it was like, that was the day where I really started to focus on like, hey, what decisions am I making, you know, in my life for me personally, with my family, um, for my business, um, outside of me, like, what, what do I really want to do now? Because everything yeah. that I've, I had done was for almost appearances. It right. was performing for others, trying mm-hmm. to desperately gain acceptance and in, in the hopes that I would feel good about myself. Right. So Gosh, I can relate on every single <laughs> level, you know, and it's, I think as human beings, that is our default. You know, I will feel more confident. Women are always looking for more confidence or more mm-hmm. self-worth and and there is a piece of it that, you know, once we have accomplished X, Y, and Z, we can kind of look back and there is a feeling of being proud, you know, like I, I feel good. I, I look what I was able to do when we live up to our potential. Mm-hmm. I think that feels really good, but that true, that true, just like filling, like I said earlier, that hole in your soul, like it's mm-hmm. only found within yourself, mm-hmm. completely detached from any accomplishments or any outside identity mm-hmm. and, and spirituality, you mm-hmm. know, there is just, I know that when I go to church, like I do a lot of like, you know, I'm always writing and kind of taking, just mm-hmm. asking myself those questions. Like, what is it do I really, that I really want? What am I here for? What, what is my purpose? What brings me joy? Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because a lot of times I will default to like looking at all the things I do in my life, you know, and I'm like, what, which of these things like brings me the most joy? And maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But a lot of times I have to remember that the most joyful and the most content and that like pure bliss, mm-hmm. like those moments aren't found in any of the doing. Those moments are found, you know, in worship music mm-hmm. at church or in mm-hmm. community with other people, like you and mm-hmm. I having this incredibly like heartfelt conversation mm-hmm. about the real stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where you find what you're looking for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that all relates and ties into like how my journey and likely yours as well, um, takes you through this path of like needing to 
improve your body. It has to look a certain way. And now it's, you're trying to meet the societal standards of what's acceptable for, you know, a woman. And I think we've come a long way, I think, as a society and women, um, especially if you think back, you know, just 20 years ago, like the ideal female was like stick thin, like the tall, skinny models. And I know like there's been a bit of a shift towards like empowering women. Okay, let's get us strong. Let's build muscle. You know, let's take back that control. You know, we don't have to be skinny and, and, you know, da, 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 da. But it's like, we keep shifting, like the pendulum keeps swinging and it's like one extreme to the other. So now the focus has been, you know, women stepping into the fitness industry and being in, you know, the bodybuilding and doing the bikini competitions. And that's just another level of extremism. Yes. So I definitely fell fell for that. I was like, okay, well, here's me in a, a career of, you know, nutrition science and exercise science. Um, you know, I have this knowledge and background. Now I can really apply it. But again, the same idea was that, okay, well, you have to be the best. You have to be the leanest. No one's going to yes. take you seriously. If you aren't like that all day, every day, um, you know, it's a, a, a field that is so male dominant. Um, how am I going to stand out if I'm not actually like, whoa, look at this yeah. girl. She's so lean and muscular. So, yeah, I think I really suffered for the first couple of years um, as I, you know, ventured into that space. And my eating disorder, though I had found flexible dieting mm-hmm. um, through my husband, which is I'm so grateful for. I yes. said yesterday on my story, like, thank gosh for, for, uh, for finding <laughs> flexible dieting because it made, um, you know, it potentially saved my life. I'd hate to think of what had happened if I'd gone down this route of good and bad foods and restriction. Um, It it really opened my eyes to the idea that we can have flexibility um, and still feel really good. Yeah. Um, But it was just another way to control, you know, the feelings that I was having. It was another way to kind of um, suppress the, you know, unhappiness and the the things that I didn't feel good about because I could get super lean and it was acceptable because that's the sport. Yeah. Um, and what I think a lot of people in the, this, um, you know, field, especially, you know, professional in the professional world of bodybuilding is that, um, you know, they don't talk about the downsides or the negative. And again, for, through people's um, you know, strong desire for acceptance from others and that validation, we want to portray our best. We want to show the world. We want to put on our stories, you know, how good this is and look at all this fun stuff and wow, yeah, yeah. And you want to share that positive stuff. But I would say there's a disproportionately, um, I guess, negative side to, to being sure. that lean. And yeah. Um, you know, a few years ago now, I, I did a, a full YouTube video on like all the individual symptoms of dieting that come up that you probably don't know about. And um, so many women were like, yeah, I never realized like that was even a, a thing. Like, thank you for sharing that. It's really made me read. Okay. I want you to share some of those right now. <laughs> what are okay. like, let's so, point those out. I would say, well, the obvious one is obviously hunger and just having a constant appetite. But I think Um, increased focus on food. Um, uh, It starts to impair your sleep. So your ability to not only fall asleep, um, but then to stay in sleep and the the REM, you know, the deep sleep, uh, which is so important for our health um, for so many reasons. 
Um, it starts to impact your libido. Um, you have negative changes to your hormones along with your dieting and the leaner you get. There's, uh, I guess, risk of uh, women um, actually becoming infertile. You know, you're not getting a menzies anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess just the, the the negative psychological changes that can happen. Yeah. Not just from a mood standpoint. So frustration, irritability, um, you know, mental fatigue, like me as a nutrition expert and someone that's meant to be doing videos on YouTube every other day to help educate people about the science. I remember standing in front of the camera like probably a half dozen times and I couldn't even like get the words out to make them make sense. And I remember crying one day and my husband just comes up and gives me a hug, Aww. you know, while I'm trying to, trying to feel what I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, because you truly experience the, the brain fog. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a busy mom or you've got a really demanding job or you're shift working and you're already managing like major disruptions to your circadian rhythm, like to have the expectation that you're going to go in and do a fat loss phase and come out looking like spring chicken on stage. <laughs> um, it's just so unrealistic. Or if that is your priority, having the recognition that at some point um, there's going to be some significant sacrifice yes. somewhere else in your life. Yeah. Um, the people that we see that are achieving or maintaining a very lean physique um, they usually fall into a very small category of people, first and foremost. Uh, a lot of these women and men, for the matter, are single or they're they don't have children. Um, they have uh, very they, they come of, they come from means. Um, they are financially able to be in a position where they don't need to apply themselves to make a good living. Right. Um, or they got on the boat at the right time when social media was really taking off. And they are now in this very fortunate position where they have got tons of sponsors and they've got, you know, people throwing, you know, products and services at them uh, in hopes for, you know, getting a, a hit. And Isn't their that lives- crazy? Because like that's yeah. who the millions and millions and millions of, of social media consumers are, are trying to emulate and trying mm-hmm. to be and trying mm-hmm. to think that's my goal. But Mm -hmm. is your goal like to be all those things? Is your goal to not sleep, to be Mm -hmm. irritated, to have brain fog, to be single, to not, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like if that's what that looks like, you've got to look, yeah, just like you're saying at the whole picture of what it takes to be there. Yes. And that's why, like, I know for me, um, I, one of my, um, I guess, what should, what should I call this? Because we have our different domains of health. And for me, social, the social aspect or the social aspect of health is really important. And I really love being um, or feeling like I am part of a community. So yes. that looks like, you know, lots of time with people that I really care about, um, you know, socializing, you know, enjoying food uh, and wonderful conversations and experiences together. And yeah. I found how irritated I was and frustrated when I started competing um, that that was such a big part of my life that I I didn't have to let go of the invitations and I'd still go, but it was like a little part of me was lost. Like I would, you know, try and order something and then I'd just get real mad because I couldn't have what I wanted. I'm like, oh, this is just not the same experience anymore (laughs) and I'm irritated and I can't even focus. So 
you know, I really stepped back and had to go, go okay, Holly, what, what do you care about? Okay, yeah. you've got this wonderful family. You've got these two beautiful kids who, you know, you need to inspire them and, you know, help them be the best versions of themselves. You've got these companies that have such incredible potential yes. to reach, you know, millions of people and, you know, do good for them, like teach them the things that you know. Um, and, you know, then there's the personal goal of, hey, maybe it's just cool to win, you know, a competition, which right. I still have that aspiration, which is why <laughs> I'm about to compete again in a few weeks. But you've got to be able to, um, I guess, uh, balance that somehow. Yes. So it's very much you triage those things. It's not yeah. always and all the time, all those things, you know, I have to go, Hey guys, you know, I'm going to be taking this 12 week break um, from doing these activities with you. Cause I have a really important goal. And then, right. you know, my husband and I will kind of trade, all right, I'm going to take over in the business for the next several months while you do your powerlifting. You've got world championships in a few months. Okay. I'm stepping up. I'll be doing the 80 hours and you can do the 30 or whatever it is. Right. Like, you just have to have um, the ability to shift your priorities. And I think yeah. so many of us are stuck when it comes to change. We are oh, all yeah. terrible at changing. We yes. are so set in our routines that we really struggle when we've got to kind of, we come up, we come up against those conflicting, um, you know, thoughts and values. And then how do I prioritize if you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course. Every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner and you guys can rise up with us. And to also know, just like you said, it's a season sometimes. I think mm-hmm. so often we're afraid to to go for the goal. And so, you know, we're not saying don't go for the goal. Absolutely yeah. pursue those mm-hmm. goals, but know there's yeah. going to be a trade-off. Know there's yeah. going to be some sacrifice. But to remind yourself that it's also just for a season. Yes. And, and it's all okay to pivot along the process too. I think sometimes if you start out on, on a journey towards a goal and you're like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't align. This doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It's also okay to pivot and decide on a different goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go specifically, because you and I both have dealt with this so much, binge mm-hmm. eating. Binge eating. Yes. Eating such a real thing. Right. And I feel like there is absolutely a spectrum Mm -hmm. and, you know, it can be this absolute extreme thing. And, and bulimia is definitely kind of the furthest thing along in that spectrum. Mm. But then I think there's, there's also a very, on the other end of the the equation, it's also very normal Mm -hmm. to overeat sometimes, you know, to indulge sometimes and to every once in a while, normal people that don't have all the kind of messed up, you know, mindset around food and body image that we had, mm-hmm. they overeat sometimes. And I, I can mm-hmm. remember in my recovery, like having to realize that that was okay. And that was normal too. But where does it cross the line, you know, and when do I seek help and, and how do I, so I really want to hear from you, like, what mm-hmm. do you coach women that are struggling with binge eating? Like, what are those steps that you encourage them to take? 
Yeah. So I want to first touch on, I guess, the spectrum that you talked about, and it definitely is. Um, and I guess there is a clinical definition for what we would consider binge eating. But um, you mentioned, you know, for certain individuals, you might be, you know, on Thanksgiving holiday or it's Christmas and a birthday. And, you know, all of us at some point um, will have those experiences where we overeat. We might have seconds or thirds. Yeah. Um, but for somebody that has um, binge eating, so it's a really excessive uh, overeating that feels number one uh, very out of control mm -hmm. uh, I know for me it's almost it was it was almost like um, a numbing feeling where I almost wasn't present in my body yes. it was yeah. like I was somewhere else like like yeah. the thoughts that were going on were so extreme um, that I couldn't even get back into my own skin yeah um, it's like something takes over your body almost yes yeah. yes and it becomes um, a very regular occurrence um, so that's kind of the, I guess, defining difference when it is something that's happening on a very frequent basis. Um, it's an excessive amount of food to the point of discomfort. Um, and it is usually fueled or driven by an underlying um, belief. Mm. So I, I tend to look at, um, I guess, the reasons that we eat um, and I categorize them into eating for physical hunger. So physiological hunger, are you feeling like your appetite's picked up? Um, you know, okay, you get some hunger signals and you go and eat something. So that would be one, one reason we eat. Um, we also can eat out of uh, influence to our environment. So it might be that we're in a, a shopping mall or a food court and we can smell you know the delicious mm. smell of something rather and it's like oh gee that smells great I might go and try that donut <laughs> uh, and then we've also got our social influences around food so um, it might be that you are in a, a social setting and you may have already eaten but everybody else in your group might be having coffee or having a snack and you can make a choice to eat food um, because of those influences. And I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a whole host of others like, you know, access to foods, uh, you know, financial reasons for why and what we choose to eat. Um, but when it comes to like, uh, I guess, binge eating disorder, um, the last point um, or group is eating out of an emotion. And a lot of us tend to cope um, by uh, using food as that coping mechanism and it can provide a very temporary feeling of happiness. Um, I'll give you an example of some of the feelings that I used to experience, and I'm guessing you are, uh, you can definitely share yours if you're open to it as well. <laughs> but I would, um, if I had something really difficult, like a task that I needed to do um, that felt maybe overwhelming um, because of the time or that I didn't have enough time to get it done, um, and I wanted, I was, this was like a, a procrastination almost. Yes, I didn't want to totally. do this scary thing. And I was getting so much anxiety about taking on that task or just starting that my habit uh, became going to the kitchen to take a break from whatever I was doing. And food was like, ah, it gave me that very awesome, happy feeling, you know, the warm and fuzzies where you yes. eat your favorite, like, I don't know, chocolate or like ice cream, yes. you know, whatever it is. And um, I think I, it, it became a habit. It never used yeah. to be. And then before I knew it, it was any stressor, any negative yeah. emotion, um, any anxious feelings or any discomfort. Yeah. Um, that was how I was coping. And it just spiraled and spiraled. And guess what happens when you overeat and you're also conscious of your body? 
then you start worrying about, oh my gosh, I've just eaten so much food. Yeah. Wow. I hate thinking about those calories. And then just the thoughts that are starting to creep up and that you ruminate on and you yes. allow yourself to keep thinking out that's it like spirals it again. And then yeah. now there's more food and now yeah. oh, it's the second box of cereal. Yeah. Um, so it is, like those types of feelings. And I guess one of the things that I talk to clients about is like where on the spectrum, let's use a, a Likert scale, one to 10. Do you feel like this is negatively impacting your quality of life? Yes. And yeah. if you have these thoughts more than, you know, two or three times a day or at every meal occasion, mm. you need to get some support, like seek yeah. that professional um, help because this is one of those things that is really hard to do alone. Really um, hard to do alone, like almost impossible. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And I think for people that are educated and unfortunately it is very common in high achievers, especially women, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's almost like you have this feeling of shame oh, and for sure. you know, guilt yeah. because how embarrassing having to call up a facility and ask, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, purging every day and I can't control myself. Yeah. I'm also in the fitness and health industry. I'm a dietitian. I should know my stuff. Right. Right. And it's such a double life. And there is so much shame that goes mm, along with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I think, part of the journey is first like having the um, self-awareness mm -hmm. to recognize, hey, this is a problem. And I think for so many people, we try to push it down and just mm -hmm. shove that feeling away and be like, I can handle this on my own, you know, but unless you have and set an intention to change this behavior, you have to want to feel different. You've got to strongly desire uh, a different way of being yeah it's really not going to go anywhere because now it's a habit yeah it's hardwired brain yes oh absolutely so and like uh, very very recently actually we went to um I guess the Entree Leadership Summit one of Dave Ramsey's oh, yes. um uh, summits which he does every year which was in Orlando and he actually had uh, an incredible woman um Dr Caroline Leaf she's a neuroscientist mm. uh, and she presented on I guess the the mind's connection uh with eating disorders or just trauma in general um, and she really emphasized the importance of focusing on the positive and how your thoughts and your day-to-day uh, -day thinking and the things that we tell ourselves and that we currently believe to be yes. true. Um, it, unless you set an intention to change those thoughts, you are not going to be able to change your behaviors. Because right. Oh, where, yes, yes, yes. Where the I mind do. goes, the yes. body follows. Absolutely. And, and that's what we do, right? We, we end up in this trap of guilt and shame and our solution, especially as people that know so much about nutrition, mm -hmm. our solution is this manic thought process of what am I going to do? What nutrition plan am I putting into place? What's the plan? What's Control. the plan? Yes. Yeah. What's the plan that I'm going to commit to that's going to fix this once and for all? I mean, how many times have mm -hmm. we said that? Like, this is yes. going to be the day it all changes. And we're looking towards a diet to yes. fix a brain problem. Yes. Right? Yes. And, or and a heart problem. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. The, the thing that I, this is honestly a very recent revolution for me. Um, I think we actually came onto it on podcast recently I was talking on and I discovered that the easy option for me, and maybe it's the same for you, some of the listeners, but I grew up sporty. So yeah. the what was easier was to choose the physical punishment, yes. the physical difficulty. I could train until yes. the house come home. I know how to push my body yep. until it breaks, and that's what I tried to do. I can out-train um, this illness. I can out-maneuver this with my knowledge yes. on nutrition. Yes. So yes. that's where I applied myself because I knew nothing about my mind. I knew nothing about therapy. And I was too, too ashamed and um, I guess so, what's the word I'm looking for? I didn't want to admit that that was something that could actually change. Right. And until I really had a hard talking with myself, till I went and did all the, the spiritual work that I needed to do that I'd never spent the time on, you know, putting, pouring my time into. Yeah. Nothing changed. Yeah. So uh -huh. the mind is so, so important. And I, I, the one thing that I regret in my life is not paying as much attention to how I thought and getting a mentor and seeking out good influence, uh, influential people yes. to help with that. Um, and that's where I, I think not. a coach, like somebody, I think it's so important to have somebody, whether it's a coach, a mentor, a therapist, mm -hmm. when you're going through this process of really trying to change something that's so ingrained in you, mm -hmm our thinking, our, like I always say, our best thinking got us here. So yeah. like our brain is not going to be able to fix what we are so screwed up with. Right. Yeah. So we have to have that person that's constantly kind of checking our thoughts and going like, yes. no, 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 no. I always think of like, okay, I'm walking this path of recovery. And then my brain like defaults to the old wiring. And I'm yeah. like, I wander off into the woods, but I don't know I'm there. Right. And yeah. then my coach or my therapist is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, no, this is yes. not like come back to the path. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay. I'm back in the path. And then you kind of wander off. And if you have that person to check in with every week, yeah, it just, it's instrumental. And like you said, you can't do it alone. Our best no, thinking definitely really not. Bad ways. Um, yeah, I think uh, the importance of having a, a good mentor is so underrated. And I think one of the things that really helped me identify even some of the weird things that I had um, justified in my own mind as mm -hmm. being normal was like living alone. So yes. for the first few years when I was at college, I had a group of housemates and you kind of, you know, you're sharing a space with them. So your ability to kind of get into really strict habits was kind of limited because mm -hmm. you can't just have a normal routine because there's all, it's just crazy. So I was very much able to flux and be malleable as a, yeah. as a human when I was at college. Right. Um, but the longer I had kind of been either, you know, single or just dating and not living with someone and I had my own space, it was like, then I started to have this opportunity to set up more boundaries, more rules, mm -hmm. more, you know, restrictions until I kind of back myself into this tiny little box of like, you know, I have to be in this perfect, um, pristine environment. And if I step outside of that, um, I'm basically a shit show, excuse right, me for swearing, right. but yeah, no, you know, I get it. 
I think, um, and, and then you when think you think along that process that you're doing good, like yeah. we're applauding ourselves the whole time. Ooh, Every time yeah. we put a new rule or a new mm-hmm. something into place, we, our mind is kind of tricking us to think like, oh, look what I did. I'm, I'm being more rigid, you know, <laughs> like yeah. looking back, it's, it's comical to even think back on that, but yeah, totally. yeah I totally see that. Yeah. So I think, um, for me, like we were talking about the eating disorder before and, you know, what's one of the things that you do with clients and we've discussed, like, I guess the different influences on why we eat food and identifying, Hey, you know what? I'm actually not hungry right now. I think I am dealing with an emotion and that's Mm -hmm. why I'm choosing food. Um, and for many of us to even be able to recognize and catch that in its tracks is that we cannot be um, absent around food or the preparation of food. We need to be mindful and we need to practice being intentional when we're sitting down to prepare a meal, to be able to hear those cues, to be able to listen to the feedback that your body's giving you. And I was notorious for being somebody that's on the phone, preparing a meal. I'm doing the, I'm doing the washing. I'm feeding the children at the same time. Like I'm multitasking to the max. And I was, you know, before I knew it, I've already eaten a meal just while I'm preparing a meal, snacking (laughs) and picking that stuff. So number one was like, slow down, like get present, get with it. Like give yourself some time around your meals to relax and relaxing to somebody might mean sitting down and calling their mom. It might be, I don't know, relaxing, sitting down, reading the newspaper or flicking through your feed. Like you have to be in a place where you're no longer thinking about whatever it was that you were also doing and enabling you to, um, I guess, be present when you're making those decisions. I love Um, that. And what a gift because we as women and moms go a million miles an hour all day long. Yes. (laughs) And so much of our own angst comes from just never, ever stopping. We just go, 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 go. And to be able to say, you know, even if it's 20 minutes, just take a breath, be present, like allow this time to be your time to just... Mm -hmm. be present, nourish your body, slow Mm -hmm. down, and then you can hit the gas again. Yes. And again, some of this still ties back into that, you know, perfectionist mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, high achiever. Like it's almost like you have this list of things that you've got to get through in a day. And most of the time it's highly unrealistic. Yes, Uh, I'm still (laughs) learning to stop overloading myself and having more realistic expectations of what I can get done in a day because it was just never ending um, rush, never ending, nothing's finished. There's always mm-hmm. something else. And I just couldn't connect with the well. It was so busy yes. like looking at this list in my mind. So uh, I think that is that was a really important part of kind of getting through this initial stage of the eating disorder recovery. Yeah. The, the other thing that I think is really helpful um, was, I guess, once you are kind of going through that process of choosing what you're going to eat for your, your meal is to use a, I guess, a hunger and satiety scale. Mm-hmm. And um, the first part of that is the hunger scale. So before you eat, you're kind of using that one to 10, where am I on my hunger scale right now? And if you're at a five, then you need to decide on the satiety scale. Where would you like to be when Mm. you finish this meal? 
And, you know, no one wants to be a 10. 10 out of 10 fullness is not comfortable. Like that's, <laughs> right. you know, that's like Thanksgiving day. Uh-uh. That's not fun for anybody. So it's like, okay, maybe I want to get to an eight. So what would a meal look like? How am I going to feel satisfied with this meal? What does my meal need to look like to mm. achieve this goal? Um, so that might mean that I need to have a fairly decent portion size, but maybe I am trying to be mindful of calories if I'm competing even. Yeah. Um, so it needs to be something that's going to satisfy that. And right now, a cookie would be the no response, you know, right. picking the easy, you know, calorie dense, very small food. That's not going to get me to the satiety mm-hmm. that I want to be. So my thing was choosing different foods throughout the time of day. I used to have, I had this idea that it, you have to eat breakfast at breakfast. Right. You have to eat dessert at dessert and you have to eat the hot meal, whatever that is. And now my routine is so different to the average person. That. I yeah. will have anything at any time based on what my needs are. Mm. So I have a lot more hot meals throughout the day because to me yeah. that's very satisfying. Yes. You know, I have these giant big, you know, stir fries or I'll make like lasagna and it's got tons of hidden veggies in the meat yes. sauce that I've, you know, blended through, but it's just very satisfying. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the other thing that women don't do. You know, we're eating, we're still eating convenient. iceberg lettuce with <laughs> grilled chicken and carrots mm-hmm. and like we have to eat. I mean, so often I can remember to, I've told the story many times. One of my good friends came over one day who's always struggled, just always struggled with her weight and her body and all of that. And she walked in one morning and she was like, do you eat that every day? And it was like 11 AM and I've got like three eggs and sweet potatoes and spinach and like this giant Giant meal. And I'm like, (laughs) Yes, I eat this every day. You know what I mean? And so we have to just remember that like, I think in general, we need way more food than we think we need. I think mm-hmm. women, I think the number one thing that's setting us up and, and again, and we will wrap because we could talk for hours about this, <laughs> but I always say if you're overeating at night, hundred percent chance you're under eating during the day. chance. If you are in the cookie jar every night, Uh you're not getting enough calories and enough of the right types of food that satisfy you during the day. Yeah. I, I, I like to use the word pleasure. I know it relates to lots of other things, but, um, some people, I mean, if you're not getting pleasurable foods at other times of the day, um, that is so important. I think, I would opt for like the sweet things when protein bars started to get really good and amazingly tasty. I was like, this is amazing. It's like eating chocolate bars all the time. So, you know, I'd have like two protein bars and then I was going for the protein supplement shakes and, you know, there was no substance to the food that I was eating. It was sweet and it um, was pleasurable, but then it lacked the satiety component. So I quickly realized like, hey, I can't keep doing this because something is always missing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to take a big step back, spend a lot of time in the kitchen, a lot of time in the grocery aisles for that matter, just trying to find stuff that I loved. And then the one thing I'm grateful for, for going through the bodybuilding bikini competitions is it was, it did teach me how to cook low calorie and enjoy the meal. Yes. 
I don't yes. know that I ever would have invested that much time, even with, as someone with a food science background, like I was always a foodie, um, but I didn't want to do it myself. Right. <laughs> I, I wanted to just I eat other people's food really well. <laughs> so yeah, that was the one thing that I was like, yeah, this is, this has been a really good experience. There's yeah. been some negatives, but I've taken a lot of positives from that because now I have, you know, the skill of cooking and like my family enjoy the cooking mm-hmm. as well. And it's still, you know, very high fiber, very uh, nourishing, but tasty and pleasurable. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Like it has to satiate you, Mm -hmm. but you should absolutely enjoy the heck out of it. And if it doesn't Mm -hmm. check those two boxes, if your meals aren't checking those two boxes, Mm -hmm. we've got to rethink our meals for sure. Absolutely. Most definitely. Well, now I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm set. I had a big old meal before I hopped on. (laughs) I'm getting ready to afterwards. Oh my gosh. Holly, thank you so much for being on. Um, I mean, we, I've got to have you back on because I know it was so, it was so cute and fun when we chatted, you know, a few weeks ago, we're like, we could talk about 85,000 different things. But um, this has been so good. And it's always so amazing for me, for my own personal, you know, mind and heart to revisit mm-hmm. and remember this. And, mm-hmm. and I just want the world to see so often that the people they're looking up to, like you and I, mm-hmm. we have our struggles. We've been there. It's okay. It's not anything to be ashamed of. And mm-hmm. that's what makes us human. You know, I used to think that the people that I wanted to look like and be like were mm-hmm. perfect. And I remember when I first started coaching and I felt the need to be even more perfect, you know, mm-hmm. because I was then going to be a coach. I, I reached out to somebody that I really respected and they almost didn't understand that question. Cause I was like, but I'm, I'm still not perfect. And they were like, what? <laughs> and they, they said to me, Moira, none of us are like, the only difference is we have worked through our stuff. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of, I, I hate the term fall off the wagon, but when we kind of fall off the wagon or have those days of, you know, overeating on a, on a special occasion or whatever it is, like we still do that we just hop right back on to where we were the day before Mm -hmm. instead of letting it spiral us out for days or weeks, which was my old behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. it's never about perfection. Never. No. And I think um, that's probably one of the key things. And that is being able to stop the rumination, stop mm. fixating on the things that are no longer in your control. Yes. Just that focus to, hey, what can I do right now that is going to help me today? Rather right. than thinking about all the things that still need to be done and how far you're away from your goal. Like, yes. you have to be able to get real focus on now and take those small baby steps because yes. the long, long, long walk up the mountain. If you know, you're not going to stop and have a look at any of the amazing views along the way. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, and to touch on that too, I always think of that when I catch myself in those moments of like, Oh, just like, Oh, I shouldn't have, I, maybe I overate at breakfast this morning or I, that wasn't a great choice. It kind of made me feeling, you know, left me feeling kind of crappy. I always think now, which is so radically different than the past, like, Mm -hmm. 
what can I eat at my next meal? Like what I'm going to make a good choice right now. I'm going to go drink a glass of water. I mean, it can be that simple. Like what are you going to do in this moment Mm -hmm. to make a better decision? Don't feel guilt about what you may have, you know, done quote unquote wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're not starting over on Monday. You're not starting over next week. You're making a good decision right now, right now. A hundred percent. And I really want to get this one in because this is so important. So the one thing or one of the main key changes that I had to make with uh, the purging was deciding and making the stance that purging is no longer an option. Mm -hmm. So when I would make decisions then about what I would eat, you were just talking about, you know, what can I do right now? If I chose to continue eating, there is no longer this escape. There is yes. no longer an alternative of I'm going to purge and this no longer matters, or I'm going to exercise to exhaustion. So I just keep going and yes. fueling that repeat behavior. There's no, I'm starting Monday. I'm going to eat the entire pantry right now. Yes. You know, you have, it kind of brings you back to making better decisions in that very moment. Yes. yes. Um, and I can tell you now the day that I decided to stop purging, it has never happened again. Yeah. I've had yeah. hiccups. I, can, I will tell you now, anyone that is recovered from or recovering through a past eating disorder, I don't think that anybody ever truly recovers 100% because right. perfection isn't, that doesn't exist. No right. one can be perfect. Yeah. Only one person that I know of, and he's not here right now, it's God. That yeah. is perfect. Everyone yes. else can strive to be like that, but you're never going to be him. Yeah. So um, I think having that uh, grace Mm -hmm. and humility and you know that acceptance it's like you have to keep telling yourself that and take one day at a time yes um Uh, yeah so good I I know we keep talking but (laughs) (laughs) that was huge for me right it's no longer an option because if it's an option it's never going to end But also, and I remember this being like this huge epiphany for me because every single time I was like, I am going to fix this once and for all, you know, I'm smart, I'm driven, I can get over this. What's the solution? And I always look towards the, the, you know, the, what I was going to sign up for, what program I was going to do or what nutrition plan, the solution and recovery started for me when I gave myself forgiveness and grace. Yes. And for decades, it was the harder I beat myself up. Yes. Oh my God, I've got goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) Like I thought the harder I was on myself, that would beat me into the ground enough to Mm -hmm. to, to recover. And it was the exact opposite. Opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, compassion, self-love, kindness. Yeah. Uh, non-judgmental. I know like the things that we say to ourselves and the things that I hear women today that I work with, that you work with, likely say to themselves, it's so harsh. And I kind of, one of the things I kind of have to do even myself at times is say, hey, how would you talk to a friend if they spoke right. like this? What would you say? What if it was your daughter? You know, how how would you respond? And how how do you think that makes, you know, you yourself feel? And treat yourself that, that way. And, um, yeah, just taking that alternative approach, which isn't beat yourself into the ground, you know, have no mercy, you know, be all end all never quit, you know, whilst that's a very, very admirable like character and, you know, 
I see so many people that possess this, which is amazing. And yes, that means you're probably going to get a lot of things done in your life, but I think it needs an equal amount or hopefully a disproportionate amount of, you know, uh, self-compassion as well and grace, humility, like any word insert. Um, But I never had that. And yeah, yeah, I think the more I've opened that and allowed my heart to, you know, really accept and believe those things. It's like, oh, wow. Wow, I was so nasty to myself and I now I'm so happy. Like I see this body and I can look at this body, you know, wherever I am in this particular period in time, I know that she's good. I, you know, she's happy. She can be, you know, a worthy person. She is a worthy person, you know. So, yeah, I think you just have to be willing to let let that part of yourself go and that yeah. it's it's good. <laughs> it is. It's so good. It's so good. And this has been so good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. This has just been such a treat and I know is going to impact so many lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. I adore you. Thank you you. for having me. It's been so fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow, you guys, what a light. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I just love that woman to pieces. And I am so excited you got to hear from her today. Um, So many good nuggets along the way. I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear your questions, any of your thoughts about the episode. Um, You guys, make sure you're following on Apple, on Spotify. Uh, Leave us a review, if you will, for the podcast. That always helps. And reach out to me. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram. You can email me. I love nothing more than hearing from my listeners. I was actually just at um, a big coaching event with about 12,000 people in St. Louis. And I was overjoyed with just person after person after person coming up. And, and the first thing they would talk about is the podcast. So that fuels me to keep going. I can tell you that. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye.